There's a lot of people who say, do I exist for pleasure? Do I exist for success? Do I, uh, do I exist to please other people? Do I exist just to exist? Some people just exist just to exist. And God gives us some clarity to this question of why we exist. Why are we here? Where did we come from? What is our purpose and where are we going? All of these things have been answered. Now, the second question leads to that. Uh, why does First Baptist support Orange exist? Why did God plant this church here at this time with us? Those of us that are part of this body, why? Why are we here? What is our purpose? Is it to just gather together and encourage each other, get to know each other better, or is there a greater mission? Is there a greater purpose for why we exist? Is there something that God specifically has for us that he's calling us to and that he will empower us by the Holy Spirit to accomplish that task? I think Eddie sharing this morning about English as a second language. These, this is the result of asking that question, why do we exist? Why did God plant the seed of this church here? And why has he drawn us here? And what is it that he's calling us to do? And so as we dive into God's word this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, what does God want us to know about how his church works? How, how, we should know if we're part of this, if you're a part of this body, if we're one and unified, how does it work? How does the Holy Spirit empower it? How are we to appropriately fulfill the task that we've been given? And so that's what we're going to dive in this morning. If you have not come to Christ as your Savior, this is a great Sunday to be here. This is like uh, seeing behind the curtain. This is like finding out the chef's recipe on how he cooks things. This is the nuts and bolts of what we're called to do. And these are some very specific things that we need to dive into and discuss. Because I believe if we, if we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us through this conversation, there are things that are going to come to your mind. There are going to be passions that he begins to stir in your life. There's going to be a new vision for your future, new ways for you to interact that you have not yet thought of, that God is waiting to reveal to you that you will empower our body by you being faithful and obedient to his calling. So let us pray before we read God's word together and ask the Lord to speak to us and teach us as we study. Father God, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the love that you've shown us. And Lord, we know through your word that you said you had to return uh, to your heavenly home so that the helper, the spirit, your Holy Spirit could come and give us guidance and give us insight and to give us power so that our words would not be empty, our actions would not be empty, but they would be filled with your spirit and therefore uh, eternally powerful. And so Lord, I pray that we wouldn't miss in our lives what you've offered us through these gifts that we wouldn't miss the purposefulness that you've put us here for, that we wouldn't be distracted by the day-to-day -day problems and challenges of life or even the day-to-day -day pleasures of life, but that we would be focused on you. Lord, we pray as we read these words that you inspired through your Holy Spirit uh, that Paul would record for us and for the church of Corinth that we would learn and we would grow and we would mature in our faith. Lord, I pray there would be no distractions. Lord, if we're hungry, let that hunger be passed away. If there are uh, just issues that we're struggling with, Lord, if we're tired, wake us up. Help us to be in tune with your spirit right now. In Jesus' name, amen. 
And so as we look, uh, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we are going to use some other context to give us some insight into this topic because this is a very interesting topic. Uh, we live in a time and we live in a place in the United States where this conversation comes up quite often within the church. And that is the modern debate about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 dives into the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and there's a lot of debate about this, and this is enough that denominations have started because of this discussion, and even here where we live, there are a plethora, or there are many views of how the Holy Spirit works, how we're to receive the Holy Spirit, and how we're to live out those gifts, and so I want to give you some context. I want to give you some back. Uh, some a backdrop here, some information that may help us so that we can be like-minded as we approach this topic. Because I do believe, I do believe that the Holy Spirit were to work in our lives, empower us, and that we would receive these gifts and that they would manifest in our actions, that there would be something that no one could explain that would be happening here and that it would impact the world in an amazing way. And so we want that and we, we don't want to be distracted or uh, misguided. And so uh, as we look at this topic... We see a couple things. First, there is a view called cessationism. How many of you have heard of cessationism? Probably just a few that went to Bible school, because <laughs> it is not a common term that we would ever use in life. It's a big term. Uh, it basically means this, that uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, 10, when it says, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. And I know many of you have been to a wedding, and in the wedding they read 1 Corinthians, and it, and it talks about, uh, you know, love, it never fails. Love uh, builds up, it trusts, it believes all things, hopes all things, trusts all things. And then it goes on to say that out of all of the things that there are, whether it's tongues or prophecies, these will all pass away, but love is forever. And so people uh, debate, okay, well here in 1 Corinthians 13, 10, does this mean when this happens that these special gifts would be passed away? And so there's a view, and I'm sure there's people here that uh, know of well-known people that uh, espouse this view that would say the gifts have passed, the Holy Spirit gifts have passed, the gifts of tongues, these different gifts of miracles have passed away, that they were used what was called a dispensation, a certain amount of time to help validate the message. And so some people think we don't have tongues anymore, we don't have these special, the Holy Spirit doesn't work like that anymore, uh, and they turn to this as the reasoning for that. I would say, from my perspective, and as I've talked to other leaders in the church, I believe this is speaking of the second coming of Christ. When the perfection has come, not just the Bible, I know some people believe it's the Bible, uh, not just the last disciple passing away uh, and going to heaven, but that when Christ comes the second time and he establishes a new kingdom and a new heaven and a new earth, all of these gifts will have passed away that behold all things in that time will become new, that we will no longer be dealing in the same sphere of, of uh, challenges or uh, language issues or any of these things that we have today. And so I believe, and as we've talked, but this is an issue where uh, there is openness to your interpretation. But as we look, Revelation 22 says this, he who testifies about these things says, I am coming soon, amen, come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with everyone. Amen. That's how revelation, that's how it ends, that we are to look forward to a new heaven, a new earth, a, a kingdom that is ruled by Jesus. And I believe when it says that when the perfection comes, that is what it's in speaking in regards to. 
And so we would not hold to a strict view of sensationism that now the gifts are gone. I believe the gifts still exist, but I also believe we need to be very careful. Many of you would know we need to be very careful when it comes to this uh, area of scripture because it's abused. First Corinthians, the next issue that we would deal with is called sensationalism. Sensationalism. And that's where you're using the gifts and uh, there is an out-of-control abuse and it seems to be man-made and not God-made. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, What then, brothers and sisters, whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, we've sing, we've sang, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything to be, is to be done for the building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue... There is to be only two or three at most. Each in turn lets someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, that person is to keep silent in the church and to speak to himself and to God. And what I want us to note here is that Paul gives very clear guidelines. He does not say that you go into a church and then whatever you feel like doing, go ahead and do it. That must be the Holy Spirit. And that is the danger of what we live in today. We live in a danger where uh, those who come to Christ, if they're not given wise counsel, if they don't study God's word and, and ground themselves, if they can find themselves approved, this can be very much misused as a practice. We see tongues are misused. We see things like slain in the spirit. We see all of these what would be called manifestations of the Holy Spirit that are used, but I don't know if they are, and I know for certain actually that they're not used because of scripture but because of sensationalism. And we see an example in scripture in Acts chapter 8, verse 18, of how this abuse can take place. Acts 8, 18 says, when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also that I may lay hands on and may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter told him, may your silver be destroyed with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or shame in this matter because your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness in you, in yours, and pray to God that if possible, your, mar your heart's intent may be forgiven. And so here's Simon the sorcerer. He comes along. He sees the power of the Holy Spirit. There is power in God's word. Paul tells us that he doesn't want to preach eloquently. He just wants to preach the gospel that the power of the Holy Spirit through the gospel will make the difference. If I'm an eloquent speaker and I can talk you and, and, and convince you of things because of how I present the message, then that's my power, not the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the goal when we meet together is that we're not entertained by a speaker, we're not entertained by a song, we're not entertained by a video, but that we allow the Holy Spirit of God speak to us directly where we are, and he does this in a very orderly manner. And when we begin to see that it is not orderly, and it is out of control, and it doesn't align with what we've been taught through Scripture, we need to be wise and discerning and say, look, Paul says, even if we were to have a tongues, and someone wants to speak, we need no more than two and we need an interpreter. If there's no interpreter, it should not take place. Because those who are lost will come in and say, what is this? And those that are, are, are new to their faith will be confused. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is not to be wielded as a weapon. It is not to be wielded as a tool to make money. And I believe today those are two ways that it's misused. 
I think we use the power of the Holy Spirit to convince people that we're closer to God than other people, and we have Him give us money so that I can I can show you the power I have through the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what Simon the Sorcerer is trying to do. He's trying to achieve the power of the Holy Spirit by paying for it so that he himself could grow in wealth and stature. And so that's abuse. And it's terrible. Abuse is destructive. It destroys people's faith. It destroys people's faith when they think that somehow uh, coming to the Lord makes you do things uh, outside of your control that seem irrational. That destroys people's faith. That is a dangerous place to go. We need to be grounded in God's word. But on the flip side, we don't want to neglect the power of the Holy Spirit. I've been in churches where people are running around saying they feel the fire of God. And it's confusing and it's distracting. And, and I, I wonder, is, is, is this from a place of love for Christ? Is this from a knowledge and understanding of God's word? But I've also been much more times in my life in places where it is sterile and dead. And I wonder if the Holy Spirit is active at all in anyone's life that is participating. Because we're not called to be absent of the Holy Spirit. We're called to be in complete obedience to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, when he reveals things to you, uh, it affects your emotions. It affects the way you see the world. It affects how you live your life. You are a vessel, as if a cup or, or some, uh, you know, a barrel that is filled. And, and many of us fill ourselves with the wrong things. But when we fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit, the only thing that can happen is a joy out of that fruit of that Holy Spirit gift that's in our life. And so this morning, as we're going to look at chapter 12, and he talks about these different gifts, we need to recognize that we don't want to be so far away that we're abusing the Holy Spirit, which I don't think in our church we've we got to worry about that. But I do think we need to be concerned if we have no power of the Holy Spirit in our lives whatsoever, that we do not see the working action power of the living God, the God who created the universe, the God that called everything into existence. The God that knows every star and has named them all. Knows every hair on your head. Knows every thought you've ever had. That same God says he indwells you with his spirit. That cannot happen and nothing else happen. That Holy Spirit cannot dwell within you and you be the same as you were when you were controlled by the flesh. And so we need to recognize that there are two extremes and there are two places of danger. There's abuse and there's neglect. And we don't want to fall into the abuse because that can be very destructive and can destroy the testimony of the gospel, but also so can neglect. And so we need to be careful that we don't fall into two of those dangerous pits that are there. Because in the first century, we know that not only is this a challenge for us today, but this has been a challenge since the church began. Because in the first century with the Corinth church, this is how Paul begins in dealing with this issue. In 1 Corinthians, if you want to follow along, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 and 2 says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, listen to what he says. Concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that there... You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. If we could stay just on that screen for just a, mo a minute longer. He says, I don't want you to be unaware. Every time Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware, there's a reason. It's because they're unaware. This morning as you came in, I don't, I don't know how often you think to yourself, how is the Holy Spirit working in my life? What has God gifted me to do? Where do I see his power manifest in my life? 
How is the Holy Spirit of God leading me and guiding me? What kind of convictions is he giving me? What kind of heart is he giving me? What kind of path is he laying down before me? I don't know how often you think about, do I have a passionate love for God because the Holy Spirit is empowering that love for God? I don't want you to be unaware that that is available to you. I don't want you to be unaware that no matter how young, how old, no matter what's happened in your life, the Holy Spirit of God can transform you, transform your life and give you a passion that you've never had. He can give you a love for people you never love. He can give you a peace that you never had. He can give you uh, an opportunity to share with others that you've never had before. He will give you patience where you never had patience. He will give you kindness where you had never had kindness. He'll give you self-control where you never had self-control. He will give you long-suffering where you will go through challenges and it will no longer devastate you. That is available and I don't want you to be unaware because the Corinth church was unaware. And we can be unaware. I think one of the greatest tragedies of life is that we'll live this precious thing called life and, and maybe we get 100 years and we never truly enable that gift in our life. We never truly receive the gift the Holy Spirit has for us. We never truly understand our, the reason we exist. What a tragedy to go through this wonderful gift called life and never know the gift that God has presented to us through Christ and His Holy Spirit. That's why this is so important. Because not only does it, would it be a tragedy for you never to find out the purpose God put you here and the gifts that he's given you to enable that purpose, we as a church will suffer. We as a body will suffer. Because if you don't find out what your purpose is in this body and you're not empowered by the Holy Spirit, guess what? That affects the entire mission of us as one body. If you don't receive the gift, if you don't let the Holy Spirit empower you in that gift, then we will be less powerful, we will be less effective, and we will not be able to fulfill the thing that God has given us to do. And so it starts with the individual, but then it becomes the corporate, it becomes the body. The whole point of this whole chapter is we're unified in Christ. We are one, but we are different. And I can do things you can't do, and you can do things I can't do, and that's on purpose. And none of us are better or worse. We are equal in the body of Christ. But we, us, all of us have to hear from the Holy Spirit. God, what is it I'm here to do? Is it just to make it to the end of life? Survive? Is that really why God put you on this earth? Just to make it to the end? Is that really what he put us here for? Did he really just put us here as a church so that we would just gather and do these things over and over again without any influence in our community, without salvation, without discipleship, without worship? Did he really put us here for that? Or is there something greater he has in store for us? Is there something only the Holy Spirit of God can fulfill through us? Is there something only God himself through his, through his power can allow us to do and to be? And so in the instance where he says, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant or I don't want you to be unaware. Guess what? Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is not bliss. There are so many people that are ignorant of the truth of the gospel. It will not be bliss eternally for them. There is no bliss in not knowing the truth. There's only temporary satisfaction. Very, very temporary. And so that's the bad news, right? We got to deal with the bad news before we get to the good news. Praise God that there's good news. There's awesome, amazing, wonderful news. Guess what? Today, there's revolutionary news. 
This is news that is better than any other news you're going to hear anywhere else. This is some wonderful, powerful, amazing news that God didn't have to tell us, but he chose us. He chose to tell us. He chose to reveal these truths to us so that we may know why we're here and why we exist. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Here's what he says. Now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one, he gives a message of wisdom through the spirit. Another, a message of knowledge by the same spirit. Another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, the prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. This morning, which one of those gifts do you have? We are told that when Christ died on the cross, he was dead for three days. He rose again. He was seen by hundreds of people. Before he ascended to heaven, he gave them a command. He gave them a commission. He said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you to the end of the age. He says, I must go that the helper may come. And when the helper may come, he will show you what you're to do. So they gathered in a room and they prayed fervently that God would reveal to them what they're to do. And it says, like a wind blew upon them and fire was upon their heads and the Holy Spirit of God and dwelt them. And they began to speak in tongues and people didn't know what was going on. They said, are these people drunk? They said, it's nine in the morning, we're not drunk. And then they said, we're each hearing in our own language this message that they're saying. And we're told that each person, if you confess Jesus as your Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, that you are saved eternally from hell, but you are saved unto good works in heaven. And those good works are empowered. The gasoline that runs the engine of those good works is the Holy Spirit of God. And so we need to recognize that when I'm saved, the first thing God does on our spiritual birthday is he gives us a spiritual birthday gift. And you were given a gift. And it's an amazing gift. It's better than the sweater or the coat. It's, it's better than uh, the refrigerator or the vacuum. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. It's better. The spiritual gift that God has given you is a gift that when you use it, you feel the joy of the Lord in your life. That gift it's, it's so precisely made for your spirit that when you enable it in your life, when you say, Holy Spirit, you, you manifest, you show yourself, you do this thing within me, you feel more alive than you've ever felt in your entire life. You get to taste a little bit of heaven. And I don't want you to miss that. Because a lot of people have gone to church and it's just like, well, you know, they sing songs and they read from the Bible and yeah, it's, it's okay. And they miss out. And what we're talking about, the Holy Spirit of God himself inside of you, gifting you for a purpose. And that purpose 
is more than just you. It's everyone around you now. You have a gift that can empower and help and bring healing and hope to everyone you know. Here in the church, in the neighborhood, in the workplace, in the marketplace, that gift has been given to you to demonstrate to the world the power of God in a person's life. That gift has been given to you that you would be a reflection. The gift helps you be more like Christ. The gift allows you to reflect Christ accurately to the world. And when you live that gift, when you open that gift, when you say, I'm going to use this gift every day as much as I can, people begin to see Jesus. They begin to see eternity. They begin to say, why don't you do things that nobody else does? Why? Why do you do the things you do? Why don't you talk like us? Why don't you act like us? Why are you willing to give everything away? Why are you so generous? Why are you so patient? Why aren't you angry? Why aren't you doing what we're doing? Because I have the Holy Spirit in me, and the gift of patience has come along with that. You see, this morning, God is empowering us to do what he asks us to do. He does all the work. We just receive it. And the most beautiful, beautiful thing, do you realize that marriage is just a picture of Jesus and his bride, the church? When anyone gets married, and I don't care what we do with marriage because God created it, there's only one thing that it means. It's the foreshadowing and picture of Jesus returning for his bride. It is the picture of unity. It is the picture of love. It is the picture of sacrifice. And when he gives us the gifts, it's like, I'm giving you these gifts for the wedding. Start using them because when the wedding starts, that's when it's going to be fully revealed. Do you realize some of those gifts that he's given you is because he's looking forward to the wedding night? He's looking forward to the wedding supper? He's looking forward to the festivities that are ahead of us? You know, when you're engaged, you look forward to the wedding day. We're engaged. And part of that preparation, I, now, nowadays, my, my nephew got married, they'll send you this thing where you can go, uh, you know, to the website, and they have all the things they want, and you can buy it for it. So it's a really easy way to really get a lot of great things nowadays, right? Before it was, there, you got like 10 toasters, and you know, you got the china and whatever. Now you can really get some good stuff, right? You can get the thing you wanted. You know what Jesus wants for the wedding? He wants you to use the gift that he's given you. Do you know what makes Jesus happy when he returns? His people using the gifts that he's given them. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. The revelation that God can work in your life and do things you can't do without his spirit working in your life. So as you look through these, there are many message, uh, message of wisdom. I, I talk to so many. Wisdom abounds here. The message of knowledge. Eddie is a great example. Uh, John, all of these wonderful teachers that we have. Karen and her Bible study. Uh, Kitten and Erica and their women's group. All of our wonderful teachers, they have wisdom and knowledge. They are using the gift that the Holy Spirit has given them to, to teach us and to, to grow us as, as, as a body of believers. Faith. So many people I see faith in. I'm so encouraged when we pray with Betty and Butch and, and we hear the faithfulness of the body here. Healing and knowledge, prophecy, performing of miracles, distinguishing between spirits. Do you know what is so valuable in the church? Someone with discernment. Holy Spirit discernment. Because you know what there is in our world today? There's a lot of charlatans. 
There's a lot of, there's a lot of people that want to uh, abuse the word of God for their own benefit. They want to they prey on the weak to take money and power and influence. And there's no love. There's no Holy Spirit. It's just manipulation. We need people that have discernment to be able to say, no, I don't trust this. I don't, the Holy Spirit has, has given me a sense that this isn't right. I know when we talked about doing English as a second language, we didn't know, is this what God wants us to do? Is this something we should say yes to? Is this something we should move forward on? And we met and we said, you know what? Let's pray and fast and ask the Holy Spirit. We can come back together and the Holy Spirit has not given us a concern about it. Let's move forward. If he's given us peace. Because these are the tools he's given us. Do you believe when we die and we stand before the Lord and we said, we stopped, we went after your knowledge, we went after your wisdom, and we waited to hear from you, do you think he's going to get upset with that? Do you know what he's going to get upset with is how many times we never did that? How many times we tried to figure it out, we just ran forward, we never stopped to say, God, is this what you want us to do? Holy Spirit, are you leading us? Are you guiding us? Are you in control? And so these are gifts. We're told, Paul writes, there's about 18 gifts that are revealed. I don't know if that's an extensive list. There's three passages, Romans and uh, Ephesians, and here in 1 Corinthians that tell us about these gifts if you want to study more into these. But if you don't think you have a gift, here's the problem. If you say, I don't have a gift, then are you saved? Because if you're saved, you have a gift. And so one or the other is true. <laughs> And I would encourage you, that should stress us out a little bit. It should encourage us a little bit. I want to know what that gift is because I don't want to squander my life. I want to make sure that I'm living out the life that God's given me to live. I don't want to be unfaithful. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, he goes on to say why these gifts are so essential. He says, now uh, you are the body of Christ, individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, and the, uh, then gifts of healing, helping, leading, various kinds of tongues. Here we see that God has given us an organizational chart for his church. It's not a mystery. We don't have to get the newest book written on church to know this. The book that will never fade away has already told us. Here's what he's calling us to do. This is how the gospel is to be spread. This is how disciples are made. This is how healing and hope is established. When you take the gift that God has given you, you apply it to the body of Christ, and here's what it will produce. But we have to be faithful. We have to be willing to dive into this and say, well, what's my gift? What is my responsibility? What is my place within this body? What is my positioning? What is my office? What are my responsibilities? What are the things the Holy Spirit has empowered me to do so that we can be effective. This is so essential. Today, you heard from, from Eddie. Uh, at the end of the service, we're going to hear from Michelle. Different ministries that we're connected to because we're part of the full body of Christ. Not just this room, but the whole world that's connected today as we worship together. Because it's much bigger than me. It's much bigger than you. It's much bigger than us. It's, this is God's answer to sin. This is God's answer to eternity. This is God's revelation to us as his created humans. So questions to consider this morning as we've looked at 1 Corinthians 12. Do you believe God has given you a spiritual gift? This morning, do you believe that God has given you a spiritual gift? Do you know what your gift is or what they are? He gives everyone at least one, some many. 
What is it? What are you willing to do to pursue to know what the gifts God has given you? One of the best ways to know about gifts uh, they've given us in Galatians is the fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit will reveal the gift. So if you find that it's producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, gentleness, all of these things, when you begin to see that that's happening out of this work in your life, you recognize this is a gift of God. This is one of the things he's given me and he's called me to. But we need to take the time to pursue him, to ask him, to seek it from him. Do you know your purpose in the body? Do you know why you're here? Do you know why God had you born, had you be born at the time you were born to be in this room at this very moment? Do you know why? Or would you rather be ignorant? Do you want to know? Because here's the thing. All of us are going to, there's an appointment ahead of us. It says that we're appointed one day to die. We all have an appointment that we can't miss. And it won't miss us. We all have an appointment. At that moment, you will know. At that moment, you will know. Would you rather know now or wait till then? I want to know now. I want to know now. Holy Spirit of God, what have you given me to do? And how are you going to do it through me? Do you use your gifts and abilities regularly for the Lord? Do you use your gifts and abilities regularly for the Lord? You've been given them. Are they collecting dust? Are they in the attic of your life? Are they in a box that doesn't get opened? May I encourage you. What is past is past. What is present is a present. Let's take advantage. Let's let's live out our faith today. Let's not be concerned with what is in the past, not even be concerned with what's in the future. Let's be concerned with right now Will I begin to seek the Lord for the gift that he's given me? Will I ask the Holy Spirit of God to teach me and to grow me and to use me for whatever his will is? So how do you apply this? I believe this is so essentially important. If you're not born of the Spirit, you don't have a gift from the Spirit. If you're only flesh, meaning you've never confessed to Jesus to be your Lord, you've never believed that God raised him from the dead, you've never repented and believed, then you have to do that. Before the gift can come, you must be a spiritual being. You must be alive spiritually. And so today, I would encourage you, do not wait another moment. Today is the day of salvation. We do not know what the future holds. And so let us not wait. Confess, believe, and receive today. Allow God to work in your life. Because once you've been saved, and I, my prayer is everyone in this room has made that commitment, and they know that they're a child of the king, they recognize not only did he save you eternally from hell, he also has given you a gift. Have you received the gift? Have you embraced the gift? If you don't know, that's okay because today maybe the, this has been leading to this moment in your life. Ask God to reveal your gift. Ask him out loud. Write it down. God reveal. Do whatever it takes. There's a story that Jesus tells about a woman that goes to an unjust judge. And she wants her, her case to be dealt with. And she keeps going back to his house and knocking on the door, and knocking on the door, and knocking on the door. And finally, the unjust, ungodly judge says, fine, stop bothering me. I'll, solve, I'll deal with your, your case. And Jesus says that's how we should be. We should be so persistent. If it is so true that we have a gift and that we should be using that gift, then we should do whatever it takes to find out what that gift is. Father, teach me. Father, show me. Father, I want to know. 
and I'm going to pursue you. Be like Jacob wrestling uh, with the Lord there, and he doesn't relent. He doesn't give up. He says, and, and the Lord says to him, um, let go, let go. And Jacob says, I will not until you bless me. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Are you willing to, to pursue the Lord like that today? Are you willing to say, God, I want to know why I exist. I want to know why you put me here. I want to know what the gift you've given me is. I want to know how I fit in your church. I want to start living that out. How, how committed are you to pursuing that? And then finally, we need to encourage each other. I need to encourage you in your gifts. As I see the Lord working in your life, I don't want to just tell you how nice you look today or how nice your shoes are. I want to tell you how wonderful I see the Holy Spirit working in your life. Yeah. I say, man, you have, you have patience. You have a gift of mercy. You're a generous person. I believe the Holy Spirit has given you that gift. You have discernment. You have wisdom. I believe the Holy Spirit has given you that wisdom and that discernment. You have a gift that the Holy Spirit has given. Don't hide that gift. Uh, use that gift. Empower that gift in your life. I can tell you as I've watched your life, I've seen this over and over again. And I want you to be encouraged by that. And we need to love each other that way. We need to encourage each other. We need to uh, challenge each other. Challenge each other to, to not grow weary in doing good, to not be overwhelmed by the challenges of this life. You don't want to get to the end and say, all I focused in was all the negatives. You don't want to get to the end of your life and say, all I focused in was my health issues, my finance issues, my, my, my relational issues. Those are distractions for your purpose. Yes, you must deal with them in a godly way, but they cannot lead you and they cannot guide you because they only guide to death. And so we need to encourage each other when we see each other walking down that path that leads to nowhere to wake up, turn around, repent, and get back on the right path. This morning, we have an awesome opportunity. Can you imagine if all of us in this church and all those churches around the world said we are going to seek the Lord so he would show us our giftedness and that we would then commit to doing that every single day of our lives. What impact would we make in the world around us? What would your kids, your grandkids, your neighbors say to you? What would they think? What would the world begin to see about the church? I believe this is the, the calling that we've been given. I believe this is the challenge we've been given. You've been given a gift from a very generous and loving God. And now he's wanting us to receive the gift 